This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the radio show networks. RS1, thank you for joining us. A big show coming up very shortly. We'll be joined by Tony Delberto to talk about the TCR Australia round from Phillip Island last weekend and also look forward to this weekend's supercar round at Sandown. Tony, of course, just re-signing with Jick Johnson Racing. We'll also catch up with Mark Walker, Richard Kral and talk about everything else that's happening in the world of motorsport. Uh, also, Dale Rogers with our Formula One report as well. Let's have a look at the news, though. And Shane Van Gisbergen is racing against the clock to be ready for this weekend's Sandown Super Sprint. The Triple Eight driver was originally planned to drive at the debut round of the GT World Challenge this weekend at Phillip Island, but the team decided it was in his best interest not to drive due to his surgery on the broken collarbone he sustained while mountain biking in Brisbane. Triple Eight is still hopeful he will return in time for the Super Sprint. Queensland recent... Queensland's recent coronavirus cases uh, with supercars have asked the teams based in the state to limit their movement. Currently only a hospital and hotel are in lockdown but other states may choose to close their borders if the situation worsens. This would likely affect the weekend's super sprint here at Sandown. Triple Eight is in particular at risk because they're based in Brisbane while Dick Johnson Racing and Matt Stone Racing are based on the Gold Coast. Supercars are still hopeful that all teams will present at the Victorian based event and Dick Johnson Racing has confirmed, as we mentioned, Tony Delberto will return to the squad for the Bathurst 1000 later this year. This will be his sixth long-distance campaign with the team after first debuting for them in 2016 alongside Scott Pye. We'll speak to Tony Delberto shortly about that. Pre-season testing got underway over the weekend in the F1s. Dale Rogers has a report of the testing at Bahrain. G'day Tony, Formula 1 starts again in two weeks time in Bahrain and we've just been through three days of testing at the uh, very windy and dusty circuit in Bahrain. You would have thought with consistency of rules for 2021 it should have been a pretty clear picture that emerged from the three day tests in Bahrain but it's probably left with more questions uh, than, than answers. So let's try and unravel some of those for you. Uh, Red Bull's Max Verstappen in the new RB16 was on top after the third day. The only driver into the 128s, and that's a very similar time to practice three from the 2020 race uh, late last year. He also did it on the final session on the C4 tyre, with those around him were on the softer C5, so it even made his his performance even more impressive. The car is very quick. Uh, Sergio Perez also had his first taste of the Red Bull running on Saturday while Max set it out. Uh, He finished... P8, despite an engine cover blowing apart on the main straight on his RB16. There were some seriously long runs done by some of the teams, no more than Alfa Romeo, who did well over 120 laps every day, with 41-year-old Kimi Raikkonen knocked up 165 laps on day three, or in real terms, three Bahrain Grand Prix. The Alfa was competitive every day, with Giovinazzi also placing quite well. But the big story was Mercedes. Hampered on day one, with, with Bottas only getting six laps, he then became uh, bounced back on day two to be second, uh, to be fastest. But the car seemed very unstable in the rear end, with Lewis spinning multiple times. Uh, interesting to note that it also didn't seem like being in, in the traffic, which, of course, last year was a rarity where it was out front. 
Sebastian Vettel and the Aston Martin only got 117 laps in for the whole three days. Turbo and gearbox issues plaguing the new recruit for Aston in the very, very beautifully coloured green Aston Martin, which was formerly the racing point. Maybe because it's not a clone of the Mercedes 2020 car that uh, could be some problems there, but they didn't really have a great test. Daniel Ricciardo, very, very consistent in the McLaren, and the McLaren looks strong. Every day, running 50 to 60 laps, finishing comfortably in the top 10 with both cars. So too Norris, of course. And a lot of chatter about a very, very clever rear diffuser on the new McLaren MCL35M. And, uh, and that also uh, confounded some of the guys that were, that were staring at it in the pit lane, but some clever work from McLaren. Uh, Alpha Tauri, uh, Yuki Tosoda finished second on the final day, but raised a lot of eyebrows for the amount of lap he had the DRS wide open. You don't have any restrictions in testing, and some of the drivers said that it was basically open for the whole lap. But the Alpha Tauri did look strong, and Gasly also uh, ran 237 laps over the three days. The new boys at Haas, Schumacher and Mazepin, ran each day, but showed that the Haas has a big jump needed if there's going to be anything more than a rear gunner. For Williams, though, it was a brighter time. George Russell only ran on day three, but the Williams looked impressive, and he clocked up over 157 laps to finish the, uh, the day in sixth. Latifi had also done similar mileage on day two to finish seventh. So Red Bull looked impressive, and Mercedes engineering Andy Shovlin was frank in his assessment when he said, quote, we made a bit of progress with the balance on higher fuel, and the car was more predictable, but we can see from the data we've collected over the last few days that on race pace, we're not as quick as Red Bull. That's an interesting assessment from uh, Mercedes, Tony. But uh, we all know, and uh, Richard uh, oft says that uh, testing's a waste of time, uh, it certainly uh, was interesting this time around because this is the circuit they will race on in two weeks' time, unlike when the cars are normally put in the jumbos to go to Melbourne. So, Tony, Red Bull definitely on top in testing. Mercedes and McLaren doing very, very well, probably the top three. Ferrari possibly next. Fairly consistent, but not really anything setting the timesheets alight. Uh, did some long runs. Then the big battle of the four A's. Alpha Tauri, Alpine, Aston Martin, Alfa Romeo, and throw in a Williams. And that's a great midfield battle uh, with Haas looking to be the slowest. Of course, tyres, fuel loads, aero testing, sand, dust, night running. All these things in Bahrain may mean this whole thing counts for zip but it does look like the real stability has closed the field for now. Tony will be back in a couple of weeks to talk more about the Bahrain Grand Prix. Back to you in the studio. Thanks, Dale. And, of course, sad news about legendary Formula One commentator Murray Walker passing away aged 97. Walker came to prominence in the late 1970s, becoming the BBC's full-time commentator of the sport in 1978. He went on to commentate for another 23 years before calling time in his career after the 2001 United States Grand Prix. The beloved commentator in 2011 during the interview explained his job as not just to inform but to entertain. And he revealed the gratitude he felt for having the career that he had had, which took him to places he would never have otherwise visited, and the great people he met. Here is one of Walker's best moments. This is something that many people didn't think could possibly happen today. They thought Damon would drive a cautious race, but he fought. He fought from second on the grid. He passed Jack Villeneuve. He took the lead. He stayed there. And Damon Hill exits the chicane and wins the Japanese Grand Prix. And I've got to stop because I've got a lump in my throat. Michael Schumacher passes Damon Hill, but too late. Damon Hill wins in Japan. I really... 
am for once at, almost at a loss for words. I'm, I'm so happy, as the majority of Britain will be. I must confess I have a very soft spot for Damon and it has been magnified as a result of his achievements here. And MotoGP concluded its pre-season testing on Friday with Ducati Livono rider Jack Miller setting the fastest ever MotoGP lap in Qatar at 1 minute 53.18. In behind the Australian was the Yamaha trio of Maverick Vinales, Fabio Quadrero and Franco Morbidelli, all within a tenth and a half of a second of Miller. It was announced on Thursday last week that MotoGP had come to an agreement with Qatari authorities for the entire paddock present in the country to be offered the vaccine following the successful rollout amongst its population. Most of the MotoGP paddock received its first dose for the vaccine on Friday. However, it's understood that Honda driver uh, Takaki Nakayami declined the offer. Mark Marquez recovered. Uh, and has been travelling well, resulting in doctors clearing him to ride again for the first time since July last year. Boosting his chances of returning for the Qatar Grand Prix, the six-time world champion will travel to Qatar to receive the coronavirus vaccine being offered to the MotoGP paddock before returning to continue his recovering and training ahead of the season start. And his younger brother, Alex Marquez, suffered a fractured foot after a crash on the fourth day of testing. That crash marks the fifth crash in only four days and mark the end of his pre-season. Not that he would miss uh, much as the final day of testing was not in action with only two riders setting lap times due to high winds that caused dust to scatter onto the track, creating dangerous conditions. That is the motor racing news. Let's get straight into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, joining me as he always does here on the program from the racetalk.com, Richard Crowell. Hello, Krause. Vesha Baxter, how on earth are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Doing really well. Recovery's going well and all that good, sort of stuff. Good. And How's the, the knees not giving you too much pain? No, it, no, not at all. And Excellent. it was actually good enough for me to uh, jump in the car on Sunday and head down to Phillip Island and watch a bit of TCR and S5000 action. Didn't walk around too much. No, no. But, but uh, the... Fortunately, I've got a 17-year-old son who's on his learners, so he got two hours up on his uh, driver time and it was great. Well, the beauty of that weekend, Shebex, was that you could take the car and park anywhere. anywhere. It was great. Uh, around one of the world's great circuits and see some of the world's great racing because we had a terrific weekend of racing the Motorsport Australia Championships, thanks to Shannon's. And um, how about our first guest, Shebex? What a what a return to form. Well, you talk about a terrific weekend. It was a terrific weekend in the uh, Super Cheap Auto TCR Australia Series for Tony Delberto for Wall Racing in that Honda. Uh, top three top five results in three races and a second place in the final race. So a great return to the weekend and now only a handful of points off the series leader in Chaz Mossidy joins us on the line. Now, Tony, congratulations on a, a nice comeback. Yeah. Thanks fellas. And uh, thanks for having me on your show. Um, I had to do my own little podcast with Grant Rowley and uh, <laughs> we're sort of rivals now. So uh, thanks for having me on. Friendly rivals, I really appreciate I appreciate it. <laughs> Mate, tell us about the weekend. Uh, Obviously, it was a massive improvement to what happened down in Tassie. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Tassie, I don't like to relive it too much. Um, <laughs> it was a terrible round for the Hondas, unfortunately. Um, don't know whether it was track-specific or uh, just a bit of an anomaly. Um, but, yeah, the Hondas really struggled in a straight line. And we were basically the last four cars on the grid and, and had no chance to actually contend for anything inside the top 10, really. Um, so we did a lot of homework in between rounds and there's a lot of work done in the background, especially from wall racing. 
And, uh, you know, there was the ballast added to, um, you know, the top eight guys in quality. Um, so that slowed their, them down a little bit. Um, but one of the big things for us going to Phillip Island was when we tested there earlier in the year, we had a lot of tire failures. So it was one thing to maybe have a car that was quick enough to qualify near the front. Um, but how are we going to make that, that tire last for the entire race? So in practice, we basically just, uh, rolled around doing race runs, trying to make sure that the tire was going to finish the 15 lap races, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about a front wheel drive car, um, everything happens through the, those front two tires, absolutely copper hiding. So, um, to come away with the results we did is a real credit to the work that everyone put in behind the scenes. So based and, on that, sorry, Richard, was it camber that was your problem through the testing? Uh, we, we were running the minimum amount of camber we get away with. Um, but I think, uh, like in the end, we had to run a lot of tire pressure. So we were, we were running much higher on the front tire pressure than what we'd, we'd like. And I think, you know, to go for a one lap time or an ultimate time, lap time, um, we would need the pressures to be lower, but we just couldn't last in a race, race scenario. So we had to sort of, unfortunately, give away a little bit of pace, but uh, play the long game and, and get um, points for the championship, which has turned out really well. I don't want to dwell on Tassie too much, mate, because, I mean, that's the past and, and we've rebranded so brilliantly, the whole team did. But I just want to know what it's like as a driver when you're driving as hard as you possibly can. And, and I'm sure you were driving as well as you possibly could down there at Simmons. But something inherent in the way that the car suited the track or the BOP, which is such a big talking point in TCR and GT racing mm-hmm. around the world, I mean, is it kind of a soul destroying feeling when you jump out of a car and go, man, I drove that so well, but you're 1.5 off the pace in 21st. Well, that's exactly what it was like. And you know, the session hasn't gone well when your engineer doesn't tell you exactly where you finished on the timesheets. <laughs> yeah. uh, you sort of get to the end of the session and my engineer, Fife, he said, Oh, good job, mate. We'll tune it up for tomorrow and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, let's not sugarcoat it. Where, where are we? You know, <laughs> And he's like, oh, P18, which is oh. which almost last. Um, so then it became like a, a race for the the Honda Cup down the back. <laughs> um, no one wanted to be the slowest Honda. So, but yeah, it, it was tricky. And I, I know in qualifying, um, we actually managed to qualify a little bit further up than probably where we should have. And I, I felt like I had driven that the car as well as I possibly could. I don't, I don't think there was much left in it. And I don't say that too often because there's always times where you go, oh, I reckon I could have done better here or there or you know, I braked a bit early in that corner. Um, but I was either going to um, fire the thing off the track or <laughs> I was going to make it. And I made, you know, I, I did do a lap time that I thought was, you know, pretty handy with what we had for that weekend. But as soon as we got into the racing, um, even though we were sort of mid-pack, I just got past like I was standing. So I couldn't defend it. Mm. And there was, it was pretty obvious that we were lacking a lot of straight line speed. And um, it, it did just become... Uh, a weekend of just trying to get points, not damage the car and not make it any worse for ourselves. And I'm actually surprised that, you know, after round two, we're so close to the championship lead in, in that hunt now. Yeah. So 169 points, Chaz leads, Luke King next, Lee Holdsworth in third position, your fourth and John Martin, your teammate seventh. Um, and I thought as well, I know he's not with the factory team, but Michael Clemente did a really mm. solid job in the privateer car on the weekend as well. So, so let's talk about that. You, I think you and John ended up tying in points for the weekend. Mm. So it came down to a, a, com- a count back at the end, which was really, really cool. The, the racing on the weekend was ferocious, mate. And it we was. saw that in TCR 
in 2019. I think it was the series second ever round. And we thought that might've been just like, you know, first or second round nervousness, everyone trying to work their way in. But it seems like something about the Phillip Island Grand Prix circuit and those cars in particular produces really, really good racing. Would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, but it does show how far the teams have come and the drivers as well with the cars. Because I remember the first year we went to Phillip Island and everyone was looping it uh, yeah. at turn one at the start because he had you know stone cold rear tires. But um, whether or not we've learned you know, uh, how to set the cars up a little bit better or the drivers are just more aware of it now, how to drive the cars on the cold tire, but it doesn't seem to be as big a problem. Um, but you're right. The racing was really fierce. Honestly, um, if you had a, made a little mistake or you got balked or you got a bad run, you just got swamped. Mm. So you had to like do everything really well and not make errors. And those cars are tricky to drive. They're loose. They're moving around a lot and it is very easy to make a mistake. Um, so it's not just a case of, you know, you get in front of a car and then suddenly you've got dirty air and things like that and they can't do a lot about it. Yeah, they get a bit of uh, a bit of heat front on the front tires, but um, you've still got to be in your game because you make a mistake and you get absolutely pounced. So um, very good racing. The wet racing in particular was chaos because we couldn't actually see a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> those opening laps, like going down into turn one for the first time at the start, um, you're basically going down there just waiting for a brake light to appear. So then you'd know when to brake. Um, and then it was a case of, okay, where actually is the corner? Um, and that went on for quite a few corners until the field spread a little bit. Um, when I say a little bit, I mean, Chaz won by about 30 seconds. Yeah, so. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he can, absolutely you, can, you explain, can you explain how he did that? Was was no. it just like this per- No, this perfect combination of, I, I don't know, like tyre, car, clearly the car was very, very good. The Audis were fast all weekend and unfortunately mm. I'd pop that tyre in that final race and drop down. But um, I, I mean, that was as dominating a sprint race drive you'll ever see. And he's not even a Kiwi. They're normally the ones that yeah, do well exactly. on the wet down. <laughs> oh, it, it was super impressive. I mean, no doubt about it. I, I um, managed to get through a few, and then I couldn't stay with that front pack, and I was pulling away from the cars behind. So I thought, well, fifth is good enough for me in this race, and we'll just bring it home. Um, but, yeah, to, to say what the, the difference was with Chaz, I'm not sure. I, I, personally, I've, I've definitely had better – uh, had the Honda better in the wet than what we did on the weekend. So maybe it was a setup thing that we did maximize, but we really just put wets on it and away we went. Maybe they chased the wet setup, but he was you know, pretty spectacular. And, you know, you, you come to expect that from somebody of his caliber. I mean, he's, he's not only one of Australia's best, but he's world-class driver. And he's shown that so many times on the world stage. Speaking of uh, putting wets on, when you put wets on, you want to be confident that they're going to, do something for you, especially with the amount of water, standing water that was on the track on Saturday. And those Michelin wets just really seem to hold up nicely. They're an amazing tyre. And the first time I actually drove the TCR car, um, it was at Maroolan, which is like a little country circuit in New South Wales. Right, and yeah, uh, there's some close walls too. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I drove it with slicks on and I kept spinning and I said to Wally, like, geez, I'm not getting much confidence with this car. And then it started raining. <laughs> and well, I said to Wally, I'm not going to go out because I will bin this thing. I'm not confident at all. And he said, trust me, go out there. Because he's got experience with it with the uh, with the Porsche, mm. uh, the same tire. Uh, they run on the front, front of the Porsche. So went out there and it just gave me a heap of confidence with the car. Suddenly mm. I could, it was actually talking to me. I could feel the grip. 
And instead of the TCR car, the way it normally is, where it's very taily, when you put the wet tire on, it just absolutely cures the rear of the car. And um, all you're really trying to do is get the nose of the car to the corner and try and get off the corner. You don't worry about the rear at all. So they're a very gripped up tire and it does inspire a lot of confidence when you're driving in those conditions. A uh, bit of news for you, my friend, uh, for the Bathurst 1000 coming up later this year. Congratulations. Locked in for a, another stint back at Dick Johnson Racing. That's a, a really nice piece of news to get locked away mm. early in the year. Yeah, I mean, you say early, but it's it's probably late, to be honest, <laughs> uh, for a co-driver announcement. I'm used to it happening a little bit earlier. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely stoked to be back with Dick Johnson Racing. I love the team. Um, I love the fans. I love the sponsors, uh, you know, just the whole group that surround that team is amazing. And I feel like I'm sort of part of the furniture and I have been for a little while as, as far as a co-driver can be anyway. I mean, you're always sort of at arm's length a little bit for most of the year, but they do a really good job of, uh, getting me in the car as much as they can, making me feel comfortable. Um, so excited for the year ahead. I know there's been massive changes at Dick Johnson racing, but they're still as hungry as ever. You know, I think Will and Anton did a ripper job at Bathurst uh, for their first real, you know, uh, outing in anger, I should say. And, you know, at the Bathurst 1000 last year, we probably weren't the fastest car. So I didn't really expect them to probably take it to the front as much as what they did. So I thought that was quite impressive. But, uh, yeah, very happy to be there. And uh, just got to work out who I'm actually driving with, which I'm unsure about. That was going to be the question, wasn't it? Because uh, obviously Scotty's slated to come back Mm. and he has said that he will be in the 17 with Will Davison. If he does, that gives you the ride with Anton. If he doesn't, though, will that decision be left to the last minute? Have you been told that? I haven't been told that. I, I thought the same thing. Like uh, from what I saw, Scott um, was going to drive the 17 when he, if he came back or when he comes back. So I just assumed the seat was with Anton, mm. uh, but it hasn't been confirmed just yet. So I think they're just going to let that play out. If Scott doesn't come back, then I, I, I assume they've got somebody else um, they're going to put in the car. And I honestly don't know who that is. So um, that they'll uh, you know announce that when they, when they can, or they know that Scott isn't coming back, but I think that's, that will unfold as the year goes on. But the good thing is uh, Will and Anton are very similar size. So, yeah. Um, and I don't really mind, to be honest, who I'm driving with. It's Still, not like, it's not a hardship, is it? Like Will, Will nah. Davis and he's won the race a couple of times or <laughs> exactly. Anton is this bright young star of the future. We're all looking I, forward to seeing what he can do. It's okay, whoever you end up in. <laughs> I honestly have to pinch myself because um, <laughs> yeah, it is such a good opportunity. And I'm, I am, and I think the team know this. I'm, super thankful for the opportunity and uh i put everything i can into it even last year during covid i'd train my ass off during the year just in case we were going racing at sandown or we were doing the bend or something else other than just uh the bathurst 1000 so um i'm still as eager as ever i absolutely love the racing i'm going to be at sandown this weekend even though guys I can't even get in the pit lane this weekend. Really? Uh, can't can't get in the pit lane at all. COVID, so I'm yeah. going to be, I've got a ticket from the team and it's got a grandstand seat. Really? <laughs> so so you, like, you'd be like your old days. I'm sure you yep. and your dad would have gone out to Sandown when you were a kid yep. and watched the Sandown 500. Absolutely. So I'll be, I'll be uh, one of the um, fans in the crowd cheering nice. on. That's great. Um, I was going to say, so, I, was yeah. wondering, I wonder if Sportsbet are running a book on how many times people will say, is that Tony Delberto? <laughs> <laughs> 
Surely not. I, I won't wear shell gear. I'll just go, oh, go on the radar. You have to, yeah. surely. Surely. <laughs> oh, that's great. It'll be good to have uh, it'll be good to have fans back. Just quickly, mate, before we let you go, um, just look ahead to the next round of TCR Bathurst. It's a big one, isn't it? We finally mm. get to see what these cars are like on the mountain. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an awesome event. I think even with the support categories around TCR and the Bathurst six hour as well, I'll, I will be hanging around for the Sunday just in case somebody needs an extra driver, yes. by the way. Um, but yeah, they, these cars should be a lot of fun across the top of the mountain. I've, I've watched uh, Jordan Cox drive his Honda around the top of the mountain, yeah. um, his production cars uh, many times and the way the thing dances around and moves about. And I think not sure if I'm going to be comfortable with that straight out of the gate. Um, but it should put on some great racing. And we saw a lot of slipstreaming at Phillip Island. Mm. So I can only assume that Bathurst is going to be very similar um, for these cars as well. So really looking forward to that event. And it's not too far away. Only a couple of weeks yeah. we've got to wait. Um, it really feels like motorsport is back. It's uh, busy and everybody's excited to be racing again. Now, you see, Bathurst is all about commitment, Tony. And you're sitting very much on the fence with the word should. I want to know. <laughs> Will these cars be fantastic around the top of Bathurst or will they scare the shit out of you? Look, I don't I don't think they're going to scare me as much as what an S5000 would. Oh, yes. Yeah, th- those boys um, have definitely got some balls driving those things. Oh, yeah, man. Um, those things at Phillip Island were extraordinary, weren't amazing. they? Amazing. That They sounded incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. When they're leaving pit lane and blazing off uh, into the distance, they sounded phenomenal. So... I'm looking forward to watching them, but you're right. I mean, I've had, uh, I've got two kids. So apparently each kid, you know, you drop a couple of tents every time. <laughs> don't buy it. So, uh, <laughs> don't buy it. <laughs> I can tell you though, I certainly don't take as much risk as I used to when I was probably 16 or 18 yeah. years old. Uh, you can listen to Tony and our good mate Grant Rally on the Parked Up uh, podcast, available on every good podcast site. Just put it in the queue after you've listened to On The Grid. I feel like we're building <laughs> towards our massive podcast crossover event at some point soon. Has it's going to happen. Between us and Parked Up and Below yeah. the Bonnet and all of the other ones, it's going it to be a massive podcast off at some point. Just it's one big happen. Zoom event. Correct. It'll be, It'll be huge. <laughs> How many episodes are you guys up to now? Um, uh, we're well, in our fourth year, so well, I think we're nearly you, we're close to 100. Actually, you say that, Chebex, but on the grid's been going since what 2003, oh, 20 so, years, yeah, mm, yeah. But uh, uh, we're yeah, we're going to actually we're close we're to up, 200, I reckon. Yeah, we're we're up to 50 next week. Okay, oh, congratulations. Yeah, we're, we're still pretty young. Milestone. We we need some ideas though. What what, what can we do for our? 50th? Yeah, have a chat to Greg Rust. You reckon? Yeah. Well, he's the one that win, is, wins all the awards. So Yeah, he's podcaster. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We've had him on the pod before, though, you know. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed my time on there as well. It was excellent. Yeah, exactly. Hey, no, I will Tony, call on you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah and good. good speaking to you, buddy. Uh, thank <laughs> well you done. so much for jumping on board, having a chat to us. We wish you all the best uh, with the Bathurst event coming up in a couple of weeks' time and uh, also the lead-up into the Bathurst 1000. I'm sure we'll catch up before then, though. Uh, pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Good on you, Tony Delberto, joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All righty. Uh, great interview there with uh, Tony Delberto. Now time to catch up with uh, our third wheel, as he is every week, Mark Walker. <laughs> oh, wow. well, you've got to put the knife in and twist. I like it. Welcome to you, Tony Shebeki. It's great to be on The Grid. Lovely to have you on The Grid in the same room as Richard Crail. Yeah, adequate social distancing, of course, uh, in the, what, southeastern Melbourne studios. Oh, I have no idea where we are. It's at the end of a long traffic jam. <laughs> uh, boys, 
continue on the uh, the weekend, of course, at Phillip Island. We'll, we'll kick off with that. Fantastic weekend. You were both there working, yeah. Mark. You were taking some great shots and Richard doing some calling. It was nearly, you know, it was nearly the perfect motor racing weekend, wasn't it? Everything just seemed to go really well. There was crowds, there was action, there was just everything you needed in a, in a weekend. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because... Um... That means it's a bit like a duck on the pond, Shebex. Nice and serene on top, but beneath it, the feet are going pedaling madly. Yeah. Because um, behind the scenes, it felt a bit like that. But you're right. It was a terrific weekend. Um, some really, really competitive motor racing. I, I think it was a coming of age weekend for TCR. I think that was the weekend where they really showed what the, the category was capable of in terms of great motor racing. Same could be said for S5000. Um, we really saw those cars racing properly hard, um, mildly terrifying, it must be said, in places. But um, And then Trans Am was really good, and the more competitive cars they're getting at the front of Trans Am, it gets better and better. Um, and even GT, as complex as it is and remains, and you're never going to change that with GT racing, to have 20 cars on the grid was a great, a great thing, I think. So positive weekend from my perspective. What was it like behind the lens? Uh, it was cold and miserable on Sunday uh, afternoon. I can imagine. <laughs> that was, was horrendous. The weather that day, it started brilliantly, um, really nice in the morning, like 23, 24 yeah. degrees, quite balmy. And then like that typical Phillip Island shift and just it, it turned to rubbish. Yeah, no, it was good times. Uh, I agree with absolutely everything you said there. Obviously, TCR had a good weekend. Trans Am had a great weekend as well. I mean, mm. people wrap it on, oh, this should be Gen 3 supercars. No, it shouldn't. It should be TA2. It should be Trans Am, what it is at the moment. Enjoy it for what it's worth because that on the weekend was really good stuff. There were some good quality drivers up the front battling it up. Uh, what you said there about S5000, um, what a class. That's my first time seeing them mm. in the flesh. They sound awesome. They look awesome the field was talented. Like there wasn't a lot in it in that wet race on Saturday afternoon from first to last, it wasn't a huge spread. There's no numpties out there just wobbling around like you see in just about every other class. So that was fantastic. My one problem with it is, and you mentioned it terrifying is that they are proper big boy motors, motor cars and they've got consequences. Like my problem with it is, is that, as good as those cars are, and they're very safe, no doubt, and yeah. prove that, and they tick all the boxes. But Australian racetracks, are they up to having big boy race cars being raced so hard? Because if something goes wrong, you're going to have tears. Like you look at <laughs> Phillip Island, and they've, they've spent so much and put so much effort into making that track foolproof, putting in big sand traps and fixing up some of the fences. But a lot of the fences are still earth Phil tire walls and a lot of high. I'll be totally honest with you. Yep. I watched the S5000 race on Sunday from down in Siberia. Yep. So I got, I was basically where they, they get the power back on out of turn five to head down the back straight mm. down towards the hay shed. And my first impression, even on the warm up lap, was I was looking for an escape route for me and my son yeah. <laughs> in case yeah. one of these things went haywire and went up the actual side. Because as soon as they hit that power coming out of turn five, and started to go, I'm going, gee whiz, just a little touch or something, and one of, the, one of these things will go weird. Yeah, a combination of it, I think, is is the noise and the physicality of them, that they're fundamentally very big racing cars. Like, they're 900 kilos yeah. with driver and fluids, and they're very loud, and they make a huge impact. Um, 
in terms of when they go past you, you go, oh, wow. They're like old Formula One cars, in my opinion. Like, yeah. There was a Jeremy Clarkson quote about a Ferrari, I think it was way back when. And he said, you don't want a car to give you a hug. Sometimes you just want it to reach down your pants and have a bit of a fall around. And, <laughs> and <laughs> no, no, this yeah, Jeremy Clarkson said that, not me. Um, and, but, but, and that's what like old Grand Prix cars, like used to stand on the fence and they go past you at speed and you go, Oh my God. And you'd vibrate. They are the, yes, you, you would. would shake. Correct. They are yeah. the best thing ever. S5000 cars aren't that fast no like the the fastest lap on the weekend was a mid 25 and the lap record of phillip island has stood for 21 years and it's a low 24 set by formula holden they produce their speed very differently it's all violent straight line stuff they don't go around corners that fast so but i I think a lot of a lot of what you guys are talking about is the fact that they're big they're loud and they're physical race cars to watch like they're sliding around yeah. they're dancing around a lot because they've got such a hard tire the, the problem is so i remember back schoolboy physics and force equals mass times acceleration and the, the thing with them is like you said they're 900 kilos they've mm. got a lot of mass even if they're doing the same speed as a formula three car they're a light little nimble thing mm. and you didn't get so much close racing that was so competitive well in time she did mm. in f3 but some of that stuff in the weekend was madness like uh thomas randall up the clacker of Cooper Webster and that wet race where he couldn't see and he just sat there and sucked it in. And the the problem I've got is that in Europe where they have a lot of big boy racing car classes, they have big boy racetracks, all these tilky drones that are Mm. God awful racetracks for spectators because they've got all this catch fence and big runoff area and stuff, but they have all the catch fence and big runoff area and stuff because they have big boy race cars. Bathurst is a big boy racetrack. But there's not a lot of catch fence over no, the top not. of the mountain. So that's the, the problem I've got there. And, you know, you look at Sandown this weekend. We've got too high arm car. I keep rabbiting on about it because it really grinds my gears. You know, too high arm car was the bare minimum to get by in 1984. And here we are in 2021 and we still got too high arm car. Yeah. We had that Toyota 86 bash it over the fence down there at Dandy Road a couple of years ago. And you know what they've done to it? Absolutely no. nothing. They haven't changed one iota. They still park all the auxiliary cars in that bit of runoff area there for the horsies. So oh, that, that really annoys me. And we're sending these S5000s around there this weekend. I hope they have a, a good clean weekend like they nearly did last weekend at Phillip Island and um, go on to Sydney Motorsport Park a bit later on in the year. I'll tell you what, you, you talk about things and acclimatisation. There were two Cape Barren geese. God. That were on the grass on the inside Don't of start Siberia. Old mate on Cape Barren no, no, But they were on the inside on the grass at Siberia on the outside. So between the track and the fence. Yeah. And they were there. And I actually thought that they were going to stop the race until they moved, but they didn't even, they let them go. These geese did not move once in the 25, 30 minutes yeah. that the S5000s were out. They just literally sat there in that grass. And every time the S5000s walked past or drove past, they just looked up and went, oh, yeah. And we're back to eating grass. That's now, acclimatization. That's great. I, I have been attacked by those geese before, like literally attacked, <laughs> like no fun. Like, they haunt him in his sleep. It's no good. But I took my son down on Saturday for a, a look-see and he chased them away. So oh, good on they've got an irrational fear of my son, <laughs> but 150 kilos of meat, no problem at all. So uh, Cape Barren geese, but are they on the not list for this event? Uh, yes. Good. No, then the what? Oh, good. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Power rankings live now, by the way, on the racetalk.com from the weekend. It's the first time 
that the racetalk.com power rankings, the original and the best power rankings, yep. uh, have covered the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships or SMAC um, event stuff. That's the acronym. Wow. They're not rolling with it. I don't know why. Well, it reminds me of the Production Sports Car Racing Association of Queensland. Uh, you can figure that one out for yourself. Write it down on a piece of paper and send us in. So can I have that again? Production Sports Car Racing Association of Queensland. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Yeah, no good. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, though, we're happy to talk. Racing acronym. Hit us up on the race talk on socials. We're happy to talk smack all the time. Yeah, well, we do. That's basically the yeah. entire purpose of this show. Exactly. But no, look, it was a good weekend. Um, really enjoyed TCR. Thought that was great. We've heard from Tony already. I, I thought that was the making of TCR as a category. In Australia. Well, it's funny you say that because last year we spoke about the lack of racing for 2020 and the fact that they didn't hit a racetrack at all. Mm. And was that going to be to their detriment for 2021? Obviously, that's not. Crowds were there at Phillip Island over the weekend. Mm. They they reached COVID capacity, I think, on the Pretty Sunday much. especially. Yep. Yep. So it didn't hurt them at all. People were excited to wait to see these cars go back on track. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't even that, mate. I, I think it was more the the quality of the racing. And and TCR in its first year was decent, but it didn't blow people's minds. I, I think there was a lot of hype especially from the real hardcore anti-supercar brigade that, that exists on social media, that it was the second coming and that it was going to be the most amazing thing ever. And, and, and I'm guilty of it more than anyone that, that on this show, we talked about the fact that when they went to Queensland raceway, they'd be amazing there and they'd short those suit, those tight little racetracks. But in reality, most of 2019 was just a bit mm, meh. Yeah. But, but now everyone's got a handle on their cars. Like Tony said, everyone knows how the cars behave. Um, they know how to set them up to drive them. They know what the tire likes. They're getting rear tire temp up better. They're having a bigger crack, but most of all the depth is in the field. Oh, you've got so some proper race car drivers, haven't you? Drivers and, and better quality drivers and teams running at the front of the field. So I think that is probably the main reason for it. But all three races were really entertaining. And that battle between Chaz and Luke King, on Sunday in, in the first Sunday race where Chaz tried to take to the grass to pass him. Like that that's stuff that you go, oh, this is a serious category with serious intent and serious competition. I mean, there was that great racing aspect and certainly the surprise factor of having Luke King up there mixing it with Chaz was really, really cool. And, and it was a mixed bag of lollies for most of the weekend, except for that Saturday race where Chaz went and won by 30 seconds after 14 laps. Mm. Like absolute smoking. I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. And that's just full Chaz Mostert. Like that's where he's at. He's yeah. a, an A-grade plus driver and he certainly showed it off in those tough conditions on Saturday. While we talk about the uh, what was a, a great weekend for TCR and all the categories down at Phillip Island, it was a sad weekend for motor racing fans with the uh, learning of the death of the great commentator Murray Walker at 90, 97 years of age. Yep. And, yeah, uh, we all knew it was going to come eventually. We all knew he'd been sick for a while. It's still a, a bit of a shock when oh, it, it was, does happen, though. And it was 97. Richard, it's pretty good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, you could probably talk about him more than most of us. He was uh, very much a part of the Adelaide life for a long time. Yeah, really important to my career as well. And and like I'd, I'd tune in when I wasn't at Adelaide Grand Prix. I'd tune in and watch it on Channel 9 and, and listen to he and James Hunt and then Dr. Jonathan Palmer um, call the racing from there. And, and as, a, as a wannabe commentator, 
I was as much interested in Murray calling than I was the, the Formula One cars. So, um, yeah. I, 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 can I also congratulate you mm. on the end of the S5000 race on Sunday? And if I'm very huh. much not mistaken, Joey Mawson takes yeah. the win. Well yeah, done. it was, it was, I, I woke up at five o'clock that morning and, and flicked through my phone and saw that the news that he'd passed away, it was about an hour old when I woke up. And um, I knew at that moment I had to, I had to do something, but I didn't want to scream, go, go, go at the start of the race or, um, or do something sort of cliche. So I, um, I, I thought long and hard about it. It's the first time in my life I've ever planned something to say yeah. at the end of a race or in commentary. I've never, ever gone, I'm going to say this line or it's just, yeah. I'm not that smart. I'm not, I'm not switched on enough to do that. I just call it as I see it um, to my detriment or benefit. Who knows? Um, but I, I was thinking then, and I posted a photo of um, Murray's autobiography, which he signed when I met him at the Adelaide rally in 2004. Um, he was grand marshal. He was running around in it and got him to sign um, my copy of Murray's autobiography, which is called unless I'm very much mistaken. And um, I thought, well, that that's a, a cool line. There it is too. Mark Walker's like got one as well. Yeah. Um, it was such a cool line that that he was famous for, but it was easy to work into a race. Yeah. And I just thought it'd be a not overt tribute to the man. It was a nice little subtle, just, you know, doff the cap to the great man. So I was, I was really proud that I could get that in um, to the, to an open wheel race, Shebex, that more than anything, because he was famous for Formula no, well done. So, yeah, no, it looks sad, really sad. I mean, it, it was 97, so it had a pretty decent crack at things. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm glad we were able to be the first to, to offer some tributes in a, in a live motor racing broadcast context. But he was bigger than Formula One. He oh, transcended yeah. the sport. He was, was out of doubt. Pizza Hut ads. He got set up in the 12th man. I mean, like, it's just pop culture awesomeness from, yeah. from that era. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and... Um, you're talking to the converted here, aren't you? I mean, everyone who's listening into this would be a fan of Murray Walker. And I mean, the Murrayisms were all part of it, weren't they? And I mean, one of them's hanging over your toilet door. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was and and Mansell's just cruising around. Oh no, he's breaking the lap record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I literally have that in my guest bathroom. There you on, go on a on a canvas. Yeah, no. Look, um, I've loved reading all the tributes. It's been yeah, amazing. It's been and, great. And some of the video that's popped up, him calling the snooker. Yeah, that was extraordinary. Um, and there's a great interview with yeah with Jeremy Clarkson, him calling yeah. and just randomly calling some snooker. Amazing. No, one of the greats. And um, and the sport has lacked, like Mark said, someone who transcends motor racing. That's why you know everyone gets up Lewis Hamilton, but he transcends Formula One. He's bigger than the sport and for the sport to grow, it needs more people like that. And Murray did that. People knew yeah. Murray Walker because he was commentating like his pants were on fire. Um, and that, that people just knew and watched formula one because of that. So yeah, no, he'll be, he'll be long missed. Very much the voice of formula one. And I don't think there'll ever be anyone that'll uh, replace that. And some of those other voices, Phil Leggett, the voice of yeah. cycling, yeah. uh, Whispering Ted Lowe, the voice of Snooker. I have no idea who that is. You'd have he talks like this when they're okay. coming in to have their shot. Tony Shebecki, the voice of the G. Tony Shebecki, oh. the voice of the MCG. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. 
Sam <laughs> <How> modest. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, oh, nothing oh. for the great man who goes back to work this week for the first time in twelve months as well. By the oh, way, so much looking forward. How good? To that, let me tell you. How good? Footy back at the G. Yeah. Um, uh, Sand out super sprint. Yeah, I was going to say back in back in the sport this weekend. Super V eight at um, Big Bad Sandown. What do we think? Yep. Uh, I like Triple Eight throwing some shade there this afternoon by posting a photo of them all filling the podium at the most recent Sandown 500. How, how do you like those ones, boys? Uh, it's definitely Triple Eight country out there at Big Bard Sandown. So it's up to everyone else to pull their finger out. And obviously, yeah, we have so many questions that still need to be answered after Bathurst. Where's DJR at? I mean, they obviously had a bit of pace at times there. Where's Cameron Waters at? Uh, he has won at Sandown in the past. So a lot of things to be answered. Obviously the SVG thing will be probably sorted by the time we drop this. So that's going to be, oh, I don't know if even will, if he does, I don't know if it will be much. Yeah, exactly. Even if he does race, mm. it's going to be tough for him. Mm. I think he'll definitely at least go around practice one on Saturday as mm. a, as a minimum, he has to, he'll, he'll owe that to himself to try it. Mm. But I don't think it'll be successful for him. That'll be, as, as, we, as we record this on Tuesday night, Melbourne time, uh, he spent the day at Queensland Raceway driving a BMW production car that he will race in the Bathurst six hour in a couple of weeks' time. And that's been his first stint back behind the wheel. Um, as we speak, nothing's come of it. And more than likely when this podcast drops, there will be some news and some uh, outcome of that because that's the way things work with On The Grid. We're so I'll, hold, I'll hold the news segment over um, until tomorrow morning? I think you probably should. Yeah. yeah wait good. till Wednesday morning before the podcast drops Wednesday lunchtime. Um, yeah. I still think he'll race, but um, pretty decent backup in Garth Tander, just sitting there who won both GT races on the weekend um, in amazing form and driving as well as ever. Um, and due to be in the commentary box with me for S5000. So I might be calling solo, but um, Hey, Garth could be uh, sliding into that car. I mean, some have mentioned him as a possible win cup replacement for next year. Mm. This is going to be the test, isn't it? If he does replace him, can he do an A great job? I mean, he obviously yes. did a great job in the weekend, but that's the question that's going to have to be answered if he does step up. I have no doubt. We'll see. I have no doubt. I think Garth could jump in that car and win the weekend yeah. for yeah. sure. Because like you said, the last time T8 went to Sandown, they utterly smoked everyone. Like, it wasn't just a beating. It was a demolition at that last Sandown 500. They yeah. Utterly smoked the field. So that was the first year of the ZB, wasn't it? So they could do the same thing this weekend. It wouldn't well, surprise me at all. We mentioned S5000s are also on the uh, the, the card, but also Porsche Courier Cup Australia. Yeah. In their first round for 2021. And you've been teasing us for weeks about some big names that are going to drop in PWCA. Well, what do we what do we know? Quebec's the field. How's the field? So 24 cars, which is the biggest we've had in a couple of years. And and usually Curra Cup runs in four-year motorcycles. This is the last year of the 991 Gen 2 Cup car. Usually the last year is the hard sell because everyone's racing for three years and they get bored and go and do something else and then come back with the new car comes in and the 992 is amazing. So 24 cars. There's 15 pros. So I reckon there's I reckon there's 10 legitimate drivers that can win this championship this year. And you've got a great mix of talent. So Lowndes is running, Davey Russell's running, Luke Yildon's running, Dale Wood's running. So you've got sort of those, I'm not going to call them veterans, but experienced supercar guys. You've got those experienced Carrera Cup guys who are really good in those cars, like Nick McBride and Michael Armand. And then you've got the young guns like Aaron Love and, Harry Jones and Jackson Walls, who comes in, and Christian Pancioni, who comes in. 
um, and Matt Payne, the Kiwi, who won Twitter Racing Series last uh, over the summer, and on and on and on. It, uh, David Wall, I forgot to mention there as well, former champion. It's an amazing field. It's the best Carrera Cup field in 17 years of Carrera Cup racing in this country, full stop. That's what I reckon. Oh, and you'd know. I think it's just a case of everyone's been bottled up that last 12 months, sitting at home, twiddling their thumbs, thinking about how they can spend their racing money, and they've uh, all gone the Porsche option, which is pretty cool. And actually, there were good fields on the weekend as well. I mean, we, yeah. you talk about GTs. I mean, a couple months ago, everyone thought GTs were dead, but uh, they yeah. rolled out there with a decent field and some good cars, and they certainly tore some up as well. But <laughs> yeah. uh there were some really good fields across the board last weekend, and hopefully we see a lot more on the supercars undercard as well. Shebex, I've got a story about that as well. The um, on the weekend, and, and listeners who are joining us via the Radio Show Limited network of channels will be very much aware of this story. Especially um, Marinelli Motorsport came out and raced with the four eight eight GT three Peter Edwards yep. car. So that's the car that won the twenty seventeen Bathurst twelve hour in the hands of Mika Salo, Jamie Winkup, and. Craig Lance, wasn't it? Amazing drive. Um, uh, great pass on the Mercedes-Benz on Conrad Strait. Anyway, epic race. We all know it. You can uh, read more about it in the book Going Global, available from the V8 Sleuth Bookshop right now for a reduced price. Get on it. International shipping is cheaper. Oh, we're into um, discounted prices now, are we? Yeah, no, we are, actually. No, no, special special price. Okay. Um, I think it's still running. If it's not, sorry. Um, either way, <laughs> that's the first time that car has raced since the Bathurst 12 hour, since it won and it got shunted and got written off is my understanding. Yeah. I think it, I think it's toast. That's sad face. This is not good. It's not great. Uh, Anyway, it happens. At least it was on the track, I suppose, but um, sorry to Peter Edwards and Adrian Dietz and to Mark Coffey at Marinello because it's the first time that car's run. Hasn't been touched. Literally, same spec, everything. Amazing. Rolls out and uh, it gets bitten by Phillip Island. But um, the old motor racing cookie crumbles in an unfortunate way sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. Hey, boys, we'll leave it at that. Should we pick a winner Uh, for the weekend? Yeah. Why would you pass the microphone to me? Um Ah, uh, Cameron Cam- Waters. Yeah, Waters for me too. Oh. Okay. Yes, Excellent. Richard. Yes, your yeah. thoughts? No, I've got no idea. Not a chance. No, uh, Chaz Mostert. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Big one for WAU. Man, he was good on the weekend. Yeah, he was. You're right. Uh, and and got, we've got to say, his no social hate, hashtag no social hate campaign, really, really effective, really good job. Um, and great to see him getting behind that and the sport doing so as well. Yeah, exactly. All right, boys, you uh, go and cook a joint stir-fry or whatever you're doing for dinner. What is the plan for dinner? What's a joint stir-fry? <laughs> what is it? Oh, no, that sounds Richard, really dodgy. That's, that's, I think we're in the wrong suburb for that kind of mischief. <laughs> we're in a nice part of Melbourne, Shebex. We'll go to the I don't know what they chicken. do that side of the Westgate, but over we'll just here. just go to the charcoal chicken joint next door. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Can, actually, can we? Oh, I guess. Okay. Done. <laughs> anyway, sorted. The, the, the Melbourne office of TRT will come back to you. Um, Beautiful. We're off to have another beer. Thanks, Shebex. Have a great weekend at Sandown, boys. Yeah, we will. We'll I'd love to it. join you, but I've got footy all weekend, so uh, I'll be in touch, I'm sure. Thank you for joining us as well here on The Grid. We'll catch you next week.